0: hi everyone and welcome back to frontpage football podcast World Cup special. We are three games away four games away I forgot about the third and fourth place. Four games away from the end of that World Cup and what a quarterfinals it has been. Of course in Australia we've moved on pretty quickly from the World Cup with a, we'll say a controversial announcement yesterday by the APL it's Tuesday as I'm recording um, this podcast. But we are going to talk about World Cup only in this one. If you want to listen to the reaction of the rest of the front page football team to the announcement from the APL yesterday, please go and check out all the podcasts published on the front page football umbrella and also the articles on frontpagefootball.net. But here today, it is World Cup extravaganza. Of course, I'm French, so the first part of the pod will be a a bit of me banging my chest with one of my French friends, and we'll talk about how... Important it was for France to beat England, what it means for the French people, and also how hard it was because England actually had a, a great game against France in the quarterfinal. And then we'll discuss France Morocco because it is a special game again for the French people, a bit of a bit of a brotherhood situation. Of course, maybe more on one side than than on the other, with uh, with Morocco still having. Um, you know, a complicated time dealing with the fact that France had colonized them in the past. So we talk about football and we talk about outside of football and what it means between France and Morocco and, and Baptiste from Le Classic is here with me. That's the first part of the podcast. In the second part, Harry uh, Harry Trades is what he goes by in the social media. He's a Welshman who's lived in the US and who was in Qatar for the World Cup and he went to see Wales against the US and, and Wales against Iran and against England, the three games of Wales. So we talk a bit about what the Qatar trip was for him, obviously um, something of a dream for a Welshman to go and see his nation at the World Cup, but also the the football itself. And he's a pretty keen um, youngsters follower. So he tells us at the very end of his part who he thought the two best young players were in, in this World Cup. And, and that's some interesting football chat in there. I'm your host Jeremy Magan, we're not going to let that intro go for too long and we're going to start the podcast just after the music. music. I don't want to start this podcast with the the French anthem. Uh, I'm here with Baptiste uh, from Le Classique. I know all the World Cup podcasts have have been quite neutral, but, but you know it's not every day that you beat England in mm. the quarterfinal of the World Cup. Baptiste, thank you for coming back on the show, of course, and and welcome to this World Cup um, special edition. How do you feel? I mean, you live in England, so it must have yeah. been even more special for you.
1: I mean, what an absolute pleasure! To, uh, a to be here and b to be celebrating a win against against the english but uh no, i mean all yeah all, all kidding aside it's uh it's obviously a, a big cultural historical fun rivalry in most cases and um yeah it was uh, you know a hard fought win and uh exciting match i think probably the best game of the quarterfinals the most even game and uh and the result went our way which is obviously very very sweet and as a Frenchman, i'm enjoying the uh unraveling of the public opinion <laughs> <laughs> that, that that follows straight from a from a defeat at the world cup but um yeah that was uh that was a real test that that was a that was a great game honestly
0: we celebrate now but i think at the Ooh. at the final whistle it's yeah it he was relief i think for uh for french fans eight minutes <laughs> Yeah, eight minutes to be. Well, I was telling my friend. I was I was texting, uh, Russ Gibbs, who's, who's been on the show, and I was like, "Oh, seeing what this ref has done all the whole game, there's yeah. going to be a minute and a half of enjoying time only, um, yeah. and and then you know the all eight minutes." But uh, yeah, I was. I think it was a say of relief. I, I think you know, and I think you, you you feel the same way. Um England played almost the perfect game.
1: Mm.
0: Not much that not much else that they could have done to try and beat France. You got two penalties, could have been a third one. You got that header on on the post. I think Saka and Walker uh, were impressive on their right side. Henderson no. defended well. Um, I think they almost had France, you know, figured out. And, and then France is just somehow too good.
1: Yeah, it's all about moments that I think that's the reality, right? And France had the moments uh, during that game. I mean, ta- I tactically, Generally, I might be in the minority, but I thought Southgate was both ambitious and got it right. You know, he targeted France's fullbacks because he knew Koundé was going to be uncomfortable and he knew Hernandez has his weaknesses defensively. And the more you make Mbappe and Dembele run back towards their goal, then the better your side is going to be. And I thought Henderson was critical of him in the... In the first half of the quarter um, of the previous round against Senegal, because I thought he went missing until his goal, but I thought against France he was he was excellent tactically and showed real leadership. And obviously Saka gave um, game. Hernandez the runaround. And I thought he was superb. So I, you know, I'm not sure. You know, personally, I don't know whether it's rose-tinted glasses because ultimately we won the game. So maybe it's you know damning fate and praise. But I thought I thought England had a real go for once and we're really ambitious and on the front foot. And can you cater for your best penalty taker, missing a pen um, and a, and the referee missing a potential penalty? I think I would have veered more towards it being a penalty than not, but not even giving a foul in a dangerous spot. And on top of that, you know, Chouamini scores a worldie under pressure. I know people were saying people, the um, Henderson and Bellingham were late on Trumini, but he still has to hit that. And it has to go through the legs from thirty yards, and and then Griezmann delivers the magic with one of the crosses of the tournament. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you add all that, and you're you know you're an England fan, I think you must be disillusioned because it's difficult to know what you could have done more, really. But as for France, I think it's the common theme under Deschamps, uh, and he was the same as a player is just mental fortitude and. Picking your moments and understanding that you might have seventy-five minutes of really awful time, you know, tracking your man and doing dirty defensive work, but there's going to be a moment where you can turn it on. And in players like Riesman, Giroud, and now Charmini, then he and and Loris, and then he's he had his players back him up.
0: I, th- I think to to stay on on England a bit, I think it's mm-hmm. also a generation that grows and grows and grows we have seen how well they've done um in in 2018 in 2021 of course at the euro they make the final uh, but, but that team re- it looks like they regenerate regenerate excuse me mm. every tournament i mean against france you have uh ford and Saka, bellingham um starting you got stones and rice who are not much older um pickford is only is only 28 and then on, if you look at the bench same thing like alexander yeah. Arnold, uh, ramsdale of course the the keeper rashford Dyer, Phillips—it's it, not—it's not old player. It's not a generation that's about to go away. Um, You have another Euro, another World Cup, potentially, uh, potentially a bit more to go to go in for them. Uh, and, and I think, yeah, I think they were like the, the <laughs> best team potentially um yeah. in this tournament as far as talent everywhere. I mean, you know, Jordan Pickford—maybe no one really knows him, but but he, he did well um in that World Cup up until then. So I think it—it it was a real. Test for France and and somehow I don't know maybe England saw themselves less good than France in a way but I think the, the talent in that team was uh was impressive and and I agree with you in the sense that I think Southgate did well tactically he didn't like he didn't fold by playing 3-5 to the whole game or the 5 3 two, I oh. say, although Henderson like you said did slot in and out uh and, and he didn't he wasn't afraid to get Saka and for them to go and um, and really, really provoke um, offensively. Kane, I think, was a real problem for Upamecano. Upamecano, oh, yeah. we know, uh, can have some games where he's a bit under, and I think against Kane, he was definitely uh, under. So it, it's a generation that maybe deserved to get a, a title somewhere, but it's definitely a generation that's growing, and they're growing, you know, you you can't discard the coach in uh, in the growth mm. of a generation. I think Gareth Southgate is... Uh, He's doing that for all the criticism that he's getting. He's helping that team um, getting there. France, you, you touched on them. Um, it, it looks They look unbeatable from the outside looking in. I mean, of course, um, us Frenchies, we know what happened when you're up 3-1 at the 80th minute against a team like Switzerland. So nothing he, is nothing ever, ever done for. Yeah. Um, but, but they look strong. And it looks like it's that perfect combination of, individual players with something to prove or a chip on their shoulder, or you mentioned Giroud or, you know, Igor Yoris, even Rabiot, uh, no. and, and some individual players who are trying to put themselves into the form of their career or into what's going on in their life. So Mbappe, Chouameni, who's trying to say that he can be the worthy number six or eight uh, of, the, of the team, Upamecano, Teo Hernandez, trying to no. not live in the shadow of his brother, and, and a group that lives very well together and that fights for each other and that doesn't have, at least from the outside, don't look like they don't have any ego. I mean, I don't remember the last time I saw Usman Dembele actually defending, and he's doing quite a bit of that um, yeah. th- this year. And and again, you know, same con- same statement as for England, you can't discard the role of the coach in, in that. And and so Deschamps with France is just doing marvels
1: absolutely i mean i'm gonna stay the bleeding obvious but it is bloody hard to win a world cup otherwise everybody would be doing it right and if you just if you just amassed 11 great players you'd win every world cup and that's just never been the case and there's also very rarely been a case where maybe the best team wins the world cup as in in terms of the quality of of its play because if you look at 2018 belgium were probably the most free-flowing sides Mm -hmm. they didn't win it obviously um and I think if you look back at France specifically nineteen ninety eight was a horribly defensive side that basically was relying on Jocca F and Zidane to try and create something out of nothing it was playing with three defensive midfielders so it's it's very difficult and it's a privilege to win a world cup it's not It's not something that's given to you or that you are entitled to just because you have some very good players and I think to a lesser degree, I think Southgate has put that into his side, I think there's a humility there and a, and a team spirit that is bodes really well for for England uh, just over the last few competitions and going forward. But it's clear that Deschamps is, with all due respect to Southgate, is like a level above in terms of being a mentality monster, effectively. And I think you can tell that by various things. One is the camp, like you said, the camp lives well, and I think we have had question marks during Deschamps' time, especially around Benzema and how he was received in the team and, you know, Euro 2020, was it was it a great tournament, et cetera. But I think that was overblown, frankly. It was more a question of footballing fit than personalities. But throughout Deschamps' time, the players have been so willing to put in a shift for them. I mean, Griezmann, since he's been playing for France, has always run his socks off. And they've been ready to really be defensive when needs be, and to play with their backs against the wall. We remember Belgium 2018 again in the semi-final, where we were terrible to watch. But who who cares? Once you won a World Cup, no one cares how you played. So uh, that's the first point. And then I think the second point is the coaching, right? And Deschamps puts responsibility on, responsibilities on his players, and we saw that on Saturday when he looked at his squad and said, I'm going to go with those guys. They're fit. They're ready. They've got the experience. They've got the nous. They're going to get back into the game by themselves. They've been there before and didn't make any real subs. And lo and behold, you know, 35 year old Giro pops up with the winning goal. or in the 78th minute or whatever it was. So, Another cliche is it's a game of fine margins. If we lose, then everybody's going to say he wasn't reactive enough and he did nothing. But there's just something about Didier Deschamps and the way he handles himself and the way he handles his sides, which is so thoroughly impressive. And I think is above, you know, well maybe except Dalic for Croatia, clearly, but uh, it's probably above the remaining uh sides and I say that with all due respect to Regragui for example who I think is outstanding but is maybe in terms of experience they haven't been there yet but um you know I, th- I think it was testament to the calmness that Deschamps brings to, to his side that France rode their luck but they knew they were going to have to and they ended up on the winning side
0: yeah and and You said it's all due respect to yeah to Regragi or uh, or or that, but also those are coaches of teams that are outsiders. So going there is already amazing. Winning is a different story. Winning twice, if it ever happens, Uh, although you know just doing the finals of the year in 2016 and winning in 2018, it's quite special already. Mm. Uh, But yeah, if bringing a team again to the semi-final and and you know everybody talks about the talent in France and the generation wealth that is going on football-wise. But you look at the team, Giroud, Mbappé, Griezmann, Varane, Lloris, were there in 2018. But that's almost it. Pavard is not really involved yeah. in that World Cup since Game 1. Uh, and then the rest of the starting eleven: Rabiot, Tramini, Dembele, Koundé, Upamecano, Theo Hernandez, weren't here. The bench, Gizazi, Guendouzi, Kolomuanyi, uh, Fofana, Vertu, Saliba, Konate, Kamhavinga, Turam, yeah. nowhere to be seen in 2018 as well. So, you know... Sure, Deschamps had a few people that he can lean on—the mm-hmm. the five that I've mentioned—but uh, he also had to rebuild the group, to to reteach the group how to live, how to win, how to approach the World Cup in in very different circumstances. You don't have the month pre World Cup yeah. this year in in Qatar, and you have some players that are in, in better form with all the injuries that we've mentioned. So yeah, he he takes yeah he takes some very special skills, I think to. To, to get to where to where they get. If we talk about individuals in that team, you mentioned, you know, the 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 selflessness of, of Griezmann and, and the ever-so-sacrificing uh, work that he's doing is almost the number six now and he's everywhere on the pitch. I think mm. Rabiot is slowly emerging. I think who we can't go past, though, is he, Mbappe. Removed the game against England, I'd say almost because he didn't score, you know, if you only look at that. But he focuses... Four players on himself almost every time he has the ball, and 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 again, like he was involved in 2018, winning mm. the World Cup. Um, he's 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 still a kid. He's 23 years yeah. old. Um, he's scored what six goals already in in this World Cup? Five goals um, in in
1: 2022.
0: Yeah, five. Yeah. five in 2022. He, the maturity of a kid who's only 23 years old and who has almost a team and the World Cup on his shoulders is a uh, is, is mind blowing.
1: Look, at the top of my head, I'm going to throw three names. Pele, Maradona and Ronaldo. Those yeah. are the players that were very young, had a huge weight on their shoulders and delivered. And Ronaldo, you can say he missed 98 final, but he was still good in, in 98 and then delivered in 2002 against all odds. Right? Maradona, 82-86 and Pele, you know, famously 58-62, right? So he, we're talking about that sort of category of players. He's only 23 um, and he might without wanting to get carried away i mean even if as we stand now he's won a world cup and is in the semi-final of his second world cup and in both cases i mean you might say he's playing in a more favoured position than what he's played before and he's not really a number nine and he's sort of an in-between nine and striker right he's probably a, a nine that likes to gravitate around a pivot man which is why you know, Giroud is great, and why he's you know hashtag pivot in Liga this year. But you know, he played he played in 2018 on the right wing, not his not his favorite position. He's obviously played this year in a slightly hybrid role. He's also got a sister's name. Sure, his work isn't defensive work isn't necessarily the best, but I always wonder. You know, with Mbappe and no, you know, and seeing the smarts of Dishon, I always wonder where whether he's kind of treated like Messi for Argentina is, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're the man of the moment. You, go create me that moment. Sure. You're not going to track back, but that's what Rabio's here for to to cover Hernandez. You're here to create that moment that I might need when we're under the cosh And you know, all of a sudden you take on Carl Walker who actually had an excellent game, but all of a sudden you take on car Walker in a sprint over 30 meters and you win us a corner, you know? So, <laughs> um, I, I'd i like to know what the instructions are for, for Mbappe, but it's no denying, you know, it's no denying his impact. But I think also to the point that you were making about Deschamps, more, you know, more broadly and players who've stepped up, I think some of those players have a relatively chequered history with Deschamps. You know, Dembele famously played the first game in 2018, was dropped straight away after that because his attitude wasn't great and he was not following instructions. And he himself said at the start of this World Cup, that was a huge lesson for him. And that once he came back, he had to go through a little struggle to get back. And once he got back, he knew what he needed to produce. You know, Rabiot has had a very difficult time with the front squad where you know he was on the he was part of the players reserves. on the on in the reserves and basically said in 2018, yeah, screw that, I'm not turning up. Uh if I'm called. And um, and you look at players like Ju Koundé, who I'm not sure and I think deserves a lot of credit mentally for his last game because I thought he was very, very solid. But I'm not sure he's enjoying much like Pavar in, in 2018. I'm not sure he's enjoying playing on the right. And yet, mm-hmm. and yet they turn up. They have their backs against the wall, and they, you know, they deliver. So it's um, there's 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 cohesion, there's uh, a willingness to work as a as a unit and to work for the manager. There's trust in the manager, and then on top of that. You've got the one and only Kylian Mbappe. Who, it's about who. It's about time. Here, you know. I think we've been banging on the drum about how great he is, and it was it's been fun seeing people swallow their sort of "Ligue as a farmer's league" and he never delivers kind of language. You know? <laughs> it's uh yeah. Enjoy that Miss Rashford free kick at the end of the game, guys. And you know, we'll, we'll see him in the semis. <laughs>
0: one for the one for the English. Well, the, yeah. the semi the semis. Is going there uh france france against morocco from uh from the outside it's just two brothers playing against each other from the inside we know obviously the the rivalry that exists historically politically um in football as well and all the stories of um, players with double nationality etc um it's a bit of a big deal isn't it yeah <laughs> in uh in france having those two teams playing in uh, in the final of the world cup
1: absolutely it is a massive deal and it should be an absolute cause for celebration uh i think and uh, uh, the potential for also france to ask itself a lot of long hard questions without wanting to delve into something overly deep controversial or sad but there's a if i'm going to say there's a check in history with morocco i think i'd be massively undermining what france as a colonial power did to to the people there and did to, the, to the North African region. in as one of many regions that, that France um, committed a lot of crimes against as a colonial power, um, you know, that region in particular um, suffered a lot. And it's about time that it should be a cause of celebration as well, because not only because we owe these people a lot and a lot of apologies, um, but also because it's an, underrepresented underappreciated part of our culture the moroccan culture and the north african culture and people from that culture whether they are franco-moroccans or moroccans living in france are underappreciated and underrepresented um and not as visible as they should be and um so it should be it should be a huge cause for celebration you know i i can't i can't vouch for for knowing anything remotely like what anyone who might be moroccan or franco-moroccan uh might feel like but you know i'm french i've lived in the uk for 25 years of course you're gonna feel very close to your home country the parent the country of your parents or your grandparents and uh i think people should rightly celebrate that but you know in france we know we know what it's like unfortunately and um and we're already seeing some tenuous and sad racist debates across public space about why, if you're a junior national, should you celebrate Morocco over France when people should just be celebrating whoever they want to celebrate. So a little bit downcast, but I think it is also, uh, I'm very happy for Morocco. I think it's, it's great for that uh, part of the world who's produced unbelievable players over the years and has a particular passion and a particular way of playing, which is great. And if you look at all the semi-finalists, and even more, um, you get that, that a little bit with Argentina, but even more for Croatia and, and Morocco, that sense of unity, that sense of purpose, that sense of we're all in the same boat and we're representing more than, more than one shirt, more than just Morocco, we're, we're representing everyone that we know, is, how can you not get carried away by that? I think it's just wonderful.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing, and I think obviously first African nation to make it to a mm. uh, a World Cup semi final, which is uh, which is in itself um, qu- quite the achievement. But yeah, a team of uh, you know there there were those um, those dismissive comments about <laughs> the African team and North African teams are just league league two uh, team, the uh, second tier of, of France, just uh, just playing together. But in this I mean, in this uh, Moroccan team, you got players who play all over Europe and in, and in some great club. And of course, there's Unai who's exploding on the uh, on mm. the world stage when he only only plays for Angers uh, with Buffal in France. Uh, but but they've they've proven uh, how good they are. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, it's a uh, it's definitely uh, going to be a particular week back mm. in France because uh, my my sister-in-law is Moroccan and she was she was saying you know she's so happy when. Morocco beats Portugal. And then when France wins and she knows it's France against Morocco, she, one of our first feelings was we're not going to be able to celebrate. You know, w- win or lose, we're going to hear mm. things that we don't want to hear. And it is, it is what the French society has become, unfortunately. And hopefully, hopefully we are only one more generation uh, of, uh, and getting rid of, of this weird feeling. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great that they can do this. It's amazing that there are people in France who actually support Morocco. Um, it's amazing yeah. that there are people in Morocco who are going to support France. It's just football. Yeah. You, you know, you your allegiance to a nation when it comes to football is just about football and shouldn't be treated differently. Like I'm, you know, maybe maybe we're we're going a bit of a tangent there. But I was thinking about this with uh, um, with my kid here. He's he's Australian. Mm. Uh, but he eats Marseille games and France games. Yeah. Uh, and, and mom is from Japanese origin. So when Japan was playing, uh, we were waking up to watch Japan and, and you know, and I kind of want him to to know what Australia does as well. But I know that growing up, he'll have a particular effect for France and and for Marseille and and for yeah. Japan, just because this is what this is what his bringing has been. So yeah, holding out against people, I think is, uh, is pretty ridiculous, especially when, Fuck! It's amazing to have France and Morocco playing each other. It's if, if Morocco wins against, like, if France has to lose somewhere on the World Cup, I'd rather it be against Morocco than almost any other yeah. nation, be, because it's kind of a nation that I can also root for because it, it's close to home and uh, because we, yeah, because there's that this intertwined relationship between the the two nations, both politically and and footballistically, because some of those mm-hmm. players play in France, so I've been formed in France or, or, or have helped French players becoming better versions of themselves. So I think for all of those reasons, it should be, um, a, a great celebration of, of two nations who are great at football, um, meeting each other, the football itself. And what's yeah. going to happen in that little, um, green rectangle. I think one of two, the two jewels that I want you and me to, to discuss are, uh, are on the same side of the pitch, uh, but at both ends. Hakimi Mbappé on one side mm. and, and ZH Lucas Hernandez on... Oh, sorry, Theo Hernandez. See, the, the lapsus is there. Theo Hernandez on, on the other side. Do you think those are where the, the spark happens and and where the mistake that could happen would be costly?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there you know for the reasons you've set out, that's clearly the side of the pitch that people are going to pay attention to. I mean, uh, Hakimi has been really impressive defensively actually considering he's always been seen more as a really powerful um incredible attacking wing back rather than a full back and he you know for club for example he's looked very uncomfortable in the back four rather than the back five um for Morocco he's looked very determined to defend very solidly i think you know again instructions and you know the sense of purpose also helps when you know that You've got a stronger attachment to your, you know, to your colleague who's playing right in front of you, and to your right centre back, rather than, you know, dare I say, it, Marquinhos and, you know, Messi or whoever's playing in front of him for, <laughs> for, for PSG. Right. So, I've been pleasantly surprised. Obviously, he's facing the biggest test of the World Cup on his on his side with Mbappe and. You know, at the at the other end, Ziyech has looked very impressive, has looked very comfortable, has also tracked back a lot more than what we've seen in him in club football. And to Hernandez, we've seen his weaknesses, they've always been flagged. We've always known that he's great going forward. Although he had appeared a bit more disciplined until you know the World Cup's stupidest foul at the weekend. Uh so it's it's gonna be very exciting. But uh, you know, I think it's similar to you know similar to against the England game, I think we're I'm looking forward to seeing the other side of the pitch, which is you know Dembele against uh, Mazraoui, right mm-hmm. and uh, Mazraoui's looked looked awesome. Dembele seems to have a habit of forgetting that he should be maybe looking for goal once in a while or not having the instinct, but he's looked very dangerous he's two footed he's got plenty he's got a few assists um and 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 a duel also you know, between Giroud and I'm hoping Saïs is back and so will will be something to something to look forward to. So I think people expect a, a low block from, from Morocco. That's how they've played, although they were a little bit more um, ambitious, I thought, against Portugal than they were against Spain. Uh, but that's also because Spain pl- play a particular way. So people are expecting a, a low block. I think we'll see that. That will help nullify Mbappe is the thinking, but it's going to be, they've got, they've got weapons in that, in that side. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, I keep banging on about it, even when we talk about Liga, right? But dynamics and momentum are so important for me in a team. And the momentum behind that Moroccan side is, is so impressive. And frankly, just to finish on that, people have been dismissive about them and still see them as the underdog. you put the name of any other country and you say that team has beaten belgium spain and morocco whilst conceding no goals in the in, in the knockout stages people would be saying definite title contenders and if you're there you deserve to be there and you're a title contender so they shouldn't be taken lightly two two
0: members of that group in the semi-final, Morocco and Croatia. That's pretty. Uh, yeah. That's, that's pretty p- special. L- last one on on Morocco, and then I want to hear your prediction for those two oh, semi-final. God. How good was that? Good. Uh, how good was that goal? Excuse me. From N- Nesseri? the guy is, has reached Cristiano Ronaldo heights with that yes. header, higher than the goalkeeper. <sighs> uh, I, I was. I saw that goal and I was mind blown. My blown. My mind was blown. Excuse me. Um. That that was just a. I think probably could be one of the goals of the tournament if, uh, if Morocco would go go further than that semi final
1: The athleticism and the body control for that goal are incredible. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Diogo Costa <laughs> would not have enjoyed his flight back, I think, but... um and it will, it kind of to a lesser degree obviously because it was much less difficult technically but the cross kind of reminded me of the sort of Roberto Carlos quote unquote cross to Zidane in the uh, you know in the yeah. Champions League final it's just a complete hopeful ball and somebody's going to have to make something out of it out of nothing and he just overpowered and overjumped everyone it was it was breathtaking frankly um so yeah they but again and, and Nesri he puts in a shift when he's up top. I mean, and I, I don't like saying that because when you say someone puts in a shift, it, everybody assumes you mean he's basically a donkey, but, um, you know, he puts in a shift and he's dangerous and he'll, you know, and Upamecano and Varana are not as serene as we would want our center max to be. So they've, they've, yeah, I think they're really, they're really well armed to, to give us a really tough game. And and that's what we should expect because we're in the semifinals of the world cup. And, They've beaten all the sides that we've talked about to get there.
0: Yeah, and they've made they've made that win against Portugal without Agger and Mazzarri, as you mentioned. So yes. if they get those two weapons back, it'll be it'll be different. Predictions time, Baptiste. So we have two semifinals in front of us: France against Morocco, but before that, Croatia against Argentina. Just give me the score of those two semi semi-finals and, and tell me who's making it to the final.
1: <laughs> tell us, we need to know. So I I feel like with all my friends I've got most of my predictions wrong at this tournament. That's so I, I I did I did get you know I did say two one for France in the last round and I did think Croatia could do could do Brazil. So I was quite happy about those. Um, I think for the Croatia Argentina game, it de it, honestly it depends how knackered Croatia are, but. I've, I could see them beating Argentina, frankly. I mean, Fra- Argentina, you saw them, once they got rattled, they lost their heads. If P- if Paredes plays, then everybody will lose their heads. And uh, it's difficult to find a better three-man midfield, a more complete one in this tournament than Brozovic, Kovacic, and, and Modric. So, and Vardial at the back has been, and Lovren have been immense. So, um, you know, they'll be going into it with a lot of a lot of confidence messi's been great the rest of the side is solid even though it's full of talent uh my heart wants to say croatia actually i think my heart says croatia i don't know what my head says but my <laughs> <laughs> i i could i could see it going one all and then potential penalties but i'm going go, i'm going to go for croatia i want i want them to, i want them to win it um Because I also think it'd be amazing to have potentially a France-Croatia rematch in the final. That would mean so much. Um, And then France-Morocco. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm going to say 2-1 France. I think there are goals in there. And two goals against Morocco sounds like a, a lot. But the reason I'm more ambitious for France is because the talent's there and the experience is there. And with Morocco, there's the momentum, but there's also the lack of experience at that level, and it's it's a big, it's an even bigger stage to set your foot in when it's the semi final of the World Cup and you're halfway to the final, to a historic final. So I'm hoping that it's not going to make them freeze because that would be terrible. I want to have yeah. it, I want that to be a good game, and like you said, um, obviously you want France to win, but it would also mean something in a way for Morocco to go through. So um, I'm hoping for a good game that everyone's proud of and there's no VAR controversy or crappy red cards. So I'm going to go 2-1 France just for (laughs) Cocorico.
0: The (laughs) France-Croatia final would be uh, obviously the same World Cup final in in a row. Um, Mm. and, And last time it happened was 86 and 90 where Argentina yeah. and West Germany was facing each other the first one of course going for Maradona and the second one um for, for the Germans so uh, so it'll be yeah. interesting to see this happen again some some 30 something years later um and, and see what that what that would in and what the I consequences of that would be
1: so what about you what's the prediction
0: <sighs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i don't know my 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 gut feeling is that Morocco's done so much that there's one moment where it's going to be too hard mm. for them and facing France is complicated so I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being like a 3-1 win for France or something like that but also uh, equally I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it's 1-0 for one, Morocco yeah, because once exactly. they score they are impossible to 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 go through so it's it's going to be a question of momentum I think at this stage right both sides can ha- both both can happen mm. uh, on the other side I do see Argentina properly struggling against Croatia mm. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Croatia makes it even during the, uh, during the first 90 minutes, it, it would be such an amazing story if he goes to the penalty though, and seeing livakovic <laughs> and Emilio Martinez playing against each other. Yeah, um, yeah. Cause they've been both the, the best keepers in, in penalty shootout in those tournaments in recent history. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to see a French Croatia final as well. Like since mm. we're there now, um, I think it'd be amazing to have it again. And, you know, the, the Croatian people that I know here in, in Canberra would love it. Um, if we can have it again and have France winning, then, you know, my, my year finishes on the, on the best note. <laughs> uh, but let's see. Let's see if it does happen that way. For now, I just want, just like you, a, a great set of semifinals, a very great france semi final where everybody walks out happy, whatever, whatever that means. Um, and, um, and hopefully that means that we can just talk about football after yes. and, uh, and focus on the final.
1: Absolutely. People to be proud of their teams and to, and, and to have great semifinals and, and talk about football. That, that's, that'd be the most positive outcome. Yeah, for sure.
0: All, all four nations should be proud that their, their teams yeah. made it made it this far. Baptiste, thank you for thank you. giving me a bit of your time. Thanks for coming on that World uh, Cup special episode. I, I hope you have a great couple of um, semifinals. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be uh, we'll be chatting after it, um, maybe previewing the, the final, hopefully for for our country. And, and if it's not, well, it's fine. We know already who we could uh, who we could support. So thank you for uh, for giving us some of your time. And uh, obviously go and follow Baptiste Classic uh, on Twitter. I actually really enjoyed the last pod that you did uh, before France England. It worked well worked that well for us. Uh, go and go and follow Baptiste and uh, and listen to his content. Thanks, Baptiste.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. So
0: I'm here with Harry Trades. I call you Harry Trades just because I read that every time. We call you Harry. It's, it's easier. Harry, how are you, mate?
2: I'm doing really well. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm doing really well.
0: Thanks for giving us a bit of your time. So for uh, the, the people who don't know you, you're going to introduce yourself. But we basically know each other through that game, so rare, uh, that has linked so many people around the world. But first and foremost, we're football fans and you were you know, lucky enough to actually spend time uh, in Qatar for that World Cup introduce yourself for our listeners and and tell us how that trip was
2: of course um so yeah no my name's harry uh, i go by harry trades on on youtube and and all the socials um yeah i i make youtube videos um i do a lot of streaming uh, surrounding like like you mentioned the the game that we play sora um yeah just you know first and foremost like you said massive football fan uh played it all my life it's, it has been my life it's dictated far too many decisions in my life I would say um up until this point but no I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world it's it's my passion and um yeah I, it, it led me to well, what was it just over a week ago now going to Qatar to watch um my beloved country Wales uh play at the World Cup which was a surreal moment um you know just to yeah, it's, it's hard to put into words to be honest Jeremy it's it's a weird weird to, to reflect on anyway very strange and surreal moment you know
0: I bet we have a, a writer um, from Page Football who's Australian and Polish. Um, and he went to the to the World Cup as well and he was able to see his two nations and same thing. He was, wow. he was talking about yeah how how crazy it is to be able to see teams that, you know, you don't know if they're always going to make it to the World Cup. I mean, mind you, in four years, that's going to change. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's great to be able to, to see them. How how did you, I mean, I've seen your, your vlog, which obviously is amazing. Anybody go and check out. Uh, Harry's um, YouTube video, uh, YouTube channel, excuse me, and that last vlog uh, on your trip to Qatar. We can see the emotion uh, during the first game at Wales. How was it for you to to see them? I mean, how many tears were 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 cried uh, basically? <laughs>
2: You, you know what it, like it's funny my my friend actually messaged me on on whatsapp earlier one of my best friends who i went out there with he actually messaged me saying harry like i, I watched your vlog yesterday and i was almost just in tears just at the fact that like we're not there anymore <laughs> and like <laughs> you know it was such an amazing time but yeah no like that first game against the u.s and i have a like we haven't mentioned yet but i, I have a quite a few ties to the u.s having studied out here and played a bit of football out here myself so like obviously I wasn't supporting the U S in any way, shape or form, but you know, Wales, U S first game, like to sing the national Anthem at a world cup, like, and, and I mean, I'd be shocked if the listeners hasn't or haven't heard the Welsh national Anthem. It's pretty special. Like I'm a fluent Welsh speaker. So, um, I grew up speaking Welsh. I went to a Welsh high school. We weren't really allowed to speak English. It was quite forbidden in that sense. Um, I have nothing against it in that in that way but yeah welsh was sort of everything growing up for me and yeah to be able to like sing that national anthem in welsh at the world cup uh, you know in that opening game was was um just like a a, a very uh, it's a it's very hard to describe i don't really have an adjective to like really describe it in one in one word but it was it was emotional to say the least like it was a bit of a bit frustrating Tim, because my first game which that game, I wasn't sitting with my friends. So the red wall is what we call it. Like the, not the ultras of the the Welsh fans, but you know, where where they, so they were behind one of the goals quite low down. And my first game, um, you know, the Wales us game, I was actually really high up completely on the other side of the, um, of the stadium. There was still Welsh fans there. Don't get me wrong, but I wasn't in the heart of, you know, that sort of red wall is what we call it. And I, and I was for the, for the second two games, the Iran game and the England game. Um, so yeah like obviously Bale scores that goal to to equalize I'm, I'm obviously celebrating I'm I'm ecstatic you can see it on the vlog but I just think like if I was inside the 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 Welsh <laughs> you know what I'm saying because Bale scored the same side as them as yeah, well which would have been oh insane and uh, unfortunately I didn't get to celebrate another goal um at the World mm. Cup so you know I'm happy I could could celebrate one you know that was more than enough for, for our little old little old Wales but um you know what? No, just just an amazing, amazing achievement, I think, for a country. Don't get me wrong. Croatia is a small country as well in, in terms mm-hmm. of population. Let's not compare in that sense. But just in terms of like Welsh football, like historically, we aren't that good. It's just a fact. You know, we've been pretty good over the last couple of Euros. You've got semi semifinal, which was incredible, of course, in 2016. Didn't do as well sort of last year, the COVID year. Um, But yeah, to get to a World Cup, man, like first time in 64 years, I, I just think it's like football in wales has just grown so much But like when i grew up it was rugby rugby was our national Mm -hmm. sport and i i think technically it probably still is but in terms of like popularity now i think i think football is has just sort of taken on a new lease of life in wales and, and and has given us a bit more hope than than we had in the past um and yeah it's just been yeah it was the best 10 days of my life man honestly
0: i think all our listeners both uh both in the United States and in Australia would uh, would definitely be able to relate to football not being the the number one sport True. when they when they grew up. Uh, special <laughs> group as well, like the US, and you just said you had ties with it. But but England, you know, having Wales and England facing each other in the World Cup is
2: yeah m- must have been so so special for both for both countries. Hundred percent. I mean, like we have to be realistic as Welsh fans, and and we realize that you know England have a far superior squad, far superior team we we were never going into that game of course we needed to win it you know to qualify and and what have you but you know realistically we knew that weren't going to happen I, I i tempered my expectations and, and kind of just hoped to just give them a game and you know what for 45 minutes we did not not to say we didn't have many chances but we contained whatever they were trying to do for 45 minutes they had all the possession, but regardless, it was nil nil. That game was that game was nil nil for for you know for forty five minutes. And I was going into half time and I say on the vlog like I was quite optimistic. I thought, you know what, I'm really proud of this forty five minutes. Like I can, t- as a Welsh fan, I, I can't be disappointed in in what you've just shown us because we were shocking against Iran. We weren't great against the US first half, so you know there was. I, I think overall, the occasion I think uh, as a whole got to us. But yeah, that second half we just com- completely collapsed. Of course, early on as well. Rash Rashford free kick doesn't help you know when you concede your first goal from a set piece I know it was a great set piece but regardless it's still it's so hard to take because it's just a bit of class where you you just can't do much about it. it doesn't really matter who's the goalie it's just one of those freak sort of situations where Rashford's obviously a world-class player and um and he can produce those type of things and like like anyone in the England team can but yeah it was just disappointing to see like how we just collapse so quickly. You know, when that one goal goes in, second one goes in against Foden like two or three minutes later. As a fan, I'm in the stadium thinking like five minutes ago, half time mm-hmm. wise, we were we were hanging, like we looked we looked like we had a bit of hope in us. And yeah, it was it was really disappointing to watch. Like it was hard to be there in that second half, to be honest. And of course, the rivalry England Wales, like, you know, it, it doesn't really need to be explained, but you know, it is yeah, it hurts. Obviously, it hurts. Um, but I think it would have, I don't know. I think if we would have beaten Iran and we would have then lost to England and then like, if we, if we beat Iran, I'm not sure if it would have, it would have it been possible for us to lose to England and still go out? I'm not too sure.
0: Uh, yeah. With four points. Some teams have gone out with four points.
2: Paul yeah. yeah so with just... four
0: points. Yeah. Spain True. got out with four points. It was, it was possible. Yeah. I think was Iran was possible, probably yeah.
2: the, the, the missed opportunity. They are again. Oh, of course that game. It's funny. <laughs> so going on to that now, I, I didn't vlog that game. Um, because one, it was absolutely boiling there, right? So one thing about Qatar that I thought going in, like, so when I packed my bags, go to Qatar, I was basically told, do not bring jeans, do not bring any sort of long form of trousers, right? So I bought a load of shorts, of course, jean shorts, whatever, athletic shorts. Um, I get there, and for like the first six days, like I didn't feel warm at all. And I, okay, okay, I didn't feel cold. I didn't feel boiling. I was just just normal. You know, like I wasn't Mm -hmm. sweating. I'm somebody that normally sweats a lot. And I just didn't. And I was like, you know what, what, like, what's going on here? Like it says on my phone, it's like 30 degrees, but I'm not feeling 30 degrees. Um, And then to be fair that one day that i ran game because it was an it was an early kickoff in qatar and it was absolutely boiling so i yeah i i didn't one i didn't feel comfortable vlogging in the sense like it was just too warm my camera Mm -hmm. would have probably melted um and the (laughs) sun in front of me and uh yeah obviously we lost it was a horrendous game in in, from our part you know in, in terms of wales and um yeah i'm a big i'm not gutted that i didn't sort of vlog that because it was I don't know it, it wasn't that good of a game and obviously we didn't mm. score um so yeah that was the only game so I went to six games that was the only game that I didn't throw into the vlog because I didn't have much footage from it but that was like you said that was the biggest missed opportunity
0: I have to we're not, we're not going to give too much away but go and check that vlog because um you know Harry was in the the stadium for that uh, one famous game where the the jersey behind him the Japanese jersey um, <laughs> surprised surprised the whole world in in round one uh, and uh, yeah, the, the stadium reaction are, are pretty special in in that video. I guess one, one last one about about Qatar. I'm not going into the the controversies, but more the the organization. Everybody that I've spoke to who, who has been there just said that it was like very very organized. The, the, the city just basically stopped for the World Cup to make sure that all the tourists know where to go. And and we we saw on your vlog, um, you know, supporters were allowed to sing in in metro station i don't know what i could have done anyway
2: um yeah but, uh, <laughs> what, what what did you think of the the general organization of it um you know what i I can't i haven't got a bad word to say about it genuinely like like you just alluded to you've you've heard similar from other people yeah honestly like uh we probably stayed we stayed in like an apartment complex probably like 20 minutes outside of like you know central doha i guess um mm-hmm. and yeah there was a metro station five minutes. uh, Yeah. Just under five minutes walk, uh, you know, outside our apartment building. And then that would then um, effectively get you wherever you wanted. So there was three lines. So, you know, for listeners, obviously you've got the London underground There's I don't know, 15, 20 lines. I don't know what the number is, but it's a lot. They had three lines like a red, orange, and uh, yellow, I think red, orange and green, something like that. Um, And there was probably 10 stops on each one, if that makes sense. Um, And yeah, it was honestly so efficient. Like, um, you were supposed to show like, so you have like a higher card, which is like your visa, I guess, to get in and out of, well, to get um, access to your your tickets and stuff. Uh, at, at the start, they were asking for the higher cards. You know, like on an Oyster card in, in London, you would like scan your Oyster card and go through. Mm-hmm. There were so many people in the the Metro station. It wasn't possible for them to scan every, like they, they didn't have like a, a scan on their phone. It was just like uh, exactly like you would uh, in a Metro, but there was no barrier. So you could just walk through regardless, whether mm-hmm. you showed something or not, you know? Um, and they and the people they're working were a bit like, you know what, we we don't have time to scan everyone's just go through type of thing. Completely free. The metro system was completely free, very efficient. I didn't see a an ounce of rubbish anywhere, no trash, nothing anywhere. There were shops like inside the metro, if that makes sense, like your your Starbucks and whatever. And yeah, absolutely spotless, seemed brand new. Um, the other form of transportation was Uber that was sort of available. And I, I mentioned on the vlog, like they were just ridiculously cheap, like stupidly mm-hmm. cheap. Like a 30 minute Uber would cost you four euros, five euros wow. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like stupidly cheap. Um, and there was a, there was availability everywhere. You know, there was, um, there was always a surplus of, of Ubers, Ubers. You were never really waiting that long, um, for anything that I, I recall. Um, this, w- this was not to do with actually the, the world cup, but we went to a David Guetta concert actually out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which Yeah, which is really cool. And um, at the venue, we, um, my friends. So there was eight of us that went, and four of our friends went in before, like me and my other three friends went in because we had different Ubers. And for some reason, there was a there was a some sort of situation with the tickets where they they might have scanned all eight, and it seemed like everyone was in before they were anyway. So we went to um, just like one of the help desks, and the guys there were like the most helpful people. You know, like when you have situations like that, for the most part, you're probably not getting in. Yeah, but it, it was just like honestly, my friends were like, guys, like, I, I'm not like used to like having such a nice and easy, efficient conversation, and 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 you guys actually like getting down to the sort of uh the issue of the problem and stuff. And yeah, that was amazing. Obviously, we got in and everything was fine, but yeah, no, for the most part, all, all I experienced was was efficiency, even in the stadiums. Um, like, yeah, they were, they were the only the only the only part. I mean, there wasn't as efficient as probably it could be was after the games, obviously you've got 40,000 plus people wanting to mm-hmm. get home. Obviously a lot of these stadiums are in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, there's some that are connected to malls. So you could maybe go to the. Well, we did a few times, go to the mall and just like camp out there for a little bit until, you know, the traffic dies down in terms of like foot traffic. But there was the, I think it was the first game, the Wales US game. Um, yeah. The, the queue, like, so we were all in, We we left the stadium waiting to get onto the Metro and there was, there was like queues of people for we were probably in a queue for about an hour and a half just to even get on the metro yeah just to even get into the building of the metro if that makes sense we were just outside the stadium waiting um to go to go back and everyone's obviously really close and you know it it happens like it it wasn't the end of the world but yeah that was the only night that I was like you know well this is a bit of a nightmare but what can you do like in terms of like these stadiums are in the middle of nowhere there's not that there's not that much around there so like especially Lusalle Stadium Jesus that was that is in the middle of nowhere, and we got an, <laughs> we almost missed the the kickoff for that, and we had we had to get an Uber, but the Uber could only get like four kilometers, like uh, like outside the stadium. They they'd yeah, there was no cars anywhere near the stadium for Lusal, which is for people who don't know, that's where they're they uh, playing the final actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we had to basically walk four kilometers just to get close to the stadium. We ended up getting the metro home, which was fine um surprise yeah so yeah we actually left like 5 minutes early in that game that, that's what we ended up having to do we probably have to leave most games like 5 minutes early just to just to beat the rush you know Yeah. because um, i we i was with one friend who had had a broken leg he didn't break it out there but he was in a cast um so we were kind of um you know we didn't want him to be around too many yeah, people to and play. trampled yeah. on or whatever yeah so that was the only reason why we'd leave a couple minutes early sometimes but for the most part no honestly i'm sorry if that was a long-winded uh answer but yeah for the most part Stu- stupidly efficient. Like I can't, I can't tell you one thing that will not No, no, it's
0: good to hear. We are always curious about, you know, how those World Cups organized. And yeah, we know it. Like I said, we know the controversies surrounding this one already. Uh, so, yeah. so seeing how they how they managed, despite it, it, it was interesting. I think no one talks about it yet. But in four years, we'll just have the exact same controversy about something else whether it's <laughs> travel or yeah. having the World Cup in. in like two big continents almost. Uh, anyway, let's talk about football. Let's talk about what happens um, recently, the, the quarterfinal and then the, the semifinal coming in. So, of course, in the in the first part, we dissected France um, quite a bit. But there was um, other games. There was Croatia who, who surprised the whole world beating Brazil. Morocco decided to imitate them getting Portugal out, Morocco, who's only considered once this World Cup and he wasn't on goal, uh, and Argentina, Netherlands, who was a heated game, as heated as it gets, uh, and Argentina who, who scared themselves and then made it to the semifinal uh, at the penalties. What, what was one of the game, like the quarterfinal, that shocked you the most, I guess? I think all three results were, were surprising in their own right.
2: 100%. Um I'd have to say the anomaly for me is is it has to be the Morocco one. I know going into it, like we just said, they've conceded one goal, right? But like the game before that, we saw was it was if was a six-one Portugal. Yeah, yeah, six-one against Switzerland, and I'm just like, I, I thought this was going to be like not a walk in the park for Portugal, but I just I just thought they'd have way too much firepower, you know? Like uh, Goncalo Rama scored a hat trick. You had João Felix playing well liao off the bench obviously ronaldo of course like they have so much up there bernardo silva i just thought you know what although i can see morocco giving everything they've got because they just seem so passionate that they're very athletic and they're very resolute as a team i I just thought you know you know when you know when that like that type of like Simeone tactic of like just just absorbing pressure so much eventually you end up conceding and I, i i i thought it would happen but jesus christ that morocco team uh Honestly, I've never seen togetherness and like a will to win for a country, for a nation as as they are performing. It's it's actually like, yeah, it's really shocked me. They were in a tough group to start off as well. They were in the group of death for me personally. Like, what was it? Belgium, Croatia, Canada, mm-hmm. okay. And then obviously Morocco. You would never have thought that Morocco would come out of there in the best form and, and, and in a semi-final of a World Cup.
0: First time that we have an African team in a semi-final of the World Cup. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned it, you, you talked about it before with Wales and England, when you have such wealth of talent against you, it's going to be a free kick, it's going to be a corner kick, something is going to get in and Portugal showed how they could score. I think, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying Morocco got away with one there, but I think, I don't know, Portugal maybe got into their own heads uh, and maybe took it, you know, thinking that it's easier to beat Morocco than it was Switzerland because Switzerland was supposed to be that defensive squad that is, that is unbreakable. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's where again, but yeah, seeing seeing Morocco in uh, in the semis is, uh, is, is is so so special. What did you think of that that picture that went around the world after the uh, Argentina Netherlands game and and the Argentinians taunting the the Dutch after the
2: the last penalty score? I don't know. I mean, for me, like it, it seems like it's a very Argentinian thing to do. <laughs> like without knowing too much about their culture, nothing against Argentinians. I I I love them in in terms of it, just what they they bring to the table. You know, in in a footballing sense, and, of, and I'm a, and I'm a huge Messi fan. But yeah, I mean, you know, emotions get the better of you in in occasions like this. Like it, you know, you've just whoever scored. Uh, oh yeah, Letaro scored the penalty to obviously qualify. Mm-hmm. It's like in that in that split second moment when that ball goes into that, and you know you know you've just got to a, a World Cup semi final things like that happen. They, I know they're grown men, but the, at the end of the day, sport like sportsman, like sportsmanship again after the game, I get it like you should be respectful. And that's, that's what we're taught, of course. But I, I think sometimes like, and the game was heated. Like we just, we mentioned a couple of minutes, like 10 minutes ago, it was a crazy heated game. I don't think the ref helped things with his dishing out of yellow cards as much as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't, I don't have too much of a problem with that. I, I think, I think that bite is what makes Argentina, Argentina, you know, they they have that, you know, South American grit and, and that kind of I kind of rate it. Like I, I do like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for respect as well, of course. But no, it's not something that I put it this way. I'm not shocked that the Argentinians did that. It is probably the best way to describe it.
0: I think also the the Dutch are somehow sometimes sort of like respected as this nice nation. I think they are some of the some of the I don't know if dirty is the right word, but some of the biggest mind game player out yeah. are the Dutch when they're when they're all together because they they know how strong they are as a nation uh, and they Definitely. make sure to uh, to always try and have that sort of like I don't know condescending way of playing against the Team and we we saw during the game that there was a lot of of back and forth. Do you yep. see you know you said you're a massive Messi fan? Do you see him you know living on a high and uh,
2: and getting the trophy? I think for like football romantics, of course that would be. That would make like I was watching. I was watching the obviously the Argentina Netherlands game. You know where where I'm at right now and with my roommates and I, I was as like nervous for him as I was for like Bale taking the penalty almost. Even though I was in, you know, what I'm saying like it, there's a certain feeling that I think Messi brings to football fans. If you are a Messi fan, that like you just you just want him to do so well, and I think because of the career he's had with Argentina obviously retired for a bit whatever did win the Copa America of course a bit more success I guess in the later years but for the most part like it would just be it would be disappointing for him not to win something massive for his country because it would just be a disservice to his name because I like for what he can do with the football is like ungodly in my opinion and I think it does I does that necessarily mean his country deserve a trophy i don't know i think he deserves a trophy his team around him haven't been good enough in in recent years to really help him towards doing that but for, yeah i I'd, I'd love to see messi win the world cup i, I think i hope it's written for him but what, what about you what, what what's your thoughts i know you're going to be biased on on the other side of, of this draw but
0: yeah, I'm biased. I was, I'm, dub, I'm doubly biased because I'm like, until Messi joined Paris Saint-Germain, I, I would have loved for him to win anything. Now I'm like, uh, I can't, I can't see a world Cup going back to Paris and and them giving it. I mean, I feel like he'll go back anyway. There whether it's Messi or Mbappe or or Akimi, yeah. somebody's bringing it to Paris. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I was like, uh, look, I, I think I agree with you. I think he he deserved it for his career. Um, I think w- weirdly enough, the best generation for Argentina was 2014 when they make it to the to the final and they lose. And I think since then, it looks like instead of trying to put the best player around Messi, they've put players that are like a bit less good, but that are willing to sacrifice themselves for their captain. Um, and yeah. you know, I think about <clears throat> Emiliano Martinez or or Paredes or Otamendi or even Montiel when he comes in every time, he's like a a bit of a mad dog. And, and I think it's <laughs> it's great that they had done this. And then for this World Cup, I feel like they've gone back to adding, not that they were not talented before, but actual talent in Enzo yeah. Fernandez, in, in Mark Alistair, and even uh, Juan Alvarez up front, who are players who actually can play football with Messi yeah. a bit more than just being, yeah, than just being all about all about the grittiness. So I think they've always been trying to make... Um, to make, to make it work it with Messi because you know what you get from Messi. You also know what you don't get in the later years, which is mainly the, the defending part. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think he deserves it. Um, I think he's already a hero in Argentina. The romantic part of me thinks, you know, if he gets the World Cup, um does that mean that he goes above maradona in the in the history of football and i don't really want that kind of thing (laughs) Uh, but 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 again that's because you know we're not argentinians so we don't see how they how they see it um but but for for his career deserves it Uh, i just i just want him to win when france isn't involved so so hopefully France doesn't get involved in the final, and then I'm okay. I'm okay if you get the trophy. Um What do you think about Croatia doing it two years, two three years, two World Cups in a row? And uh, you know, we mentioned small country, but of course, the Brazil of Europe in in some sorts uh, a very mm-hmm. big culture of football. Crazy yeah. that they make it again to the semifinals.
2: Yeah, they just. They're just the the ultimate tournament team, aren't they? Like they don't do much in the nations League, like you know, over the last couple of years, like yeah, they'll win they'll win the games they should do. They might lose a couple. like you know they they're not like the team that are just going unbeaten left, right and center. like you know, like we saw Denmark beat France twice in a row over this. you know what I'm saying, like things like that, like you don't really see too much of that from Croatia, but it, 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 in non in non like tournament games, but in tournaments, th- these guys are just like a different animal. Like I got to watch him live in person against Croatia, against Croatia, against Canada, sorry. um, In one of those group stage games. And they are just, they're just so experienced. Like I'm not, I'm not looking at anyone in their players and going, wow, that guy's got blistering pace or that guy's got, you know, um, immense, whatever. Like I'm just looking at a team of boys who just know each other inside out, similar to like the Morocco side of things, but you know, led by a captain in Luka Modric, who's, a Royals Royce, if we can put it, like, lightly. Like, the, the guy is, um or has been an absolute um gift to football outside of being, like, you know, the bet I know he won the... did He, he won a Ballon d'Or, didn't he? Yeah, he like, got a Ballon d'Or. Yeah, yeah. Agent. Like, outside of that, like, you know, he's been... He's had a great career, but he was never, like, always in the conversation of, like, top one, two or three players. Obviously, he was always Messi, Ronaldo and-, and whoever, Neymar, because maybe the type of player he is. But just what a- what... A- what like an example that he's given? I think to like the younger players, the Gvardiol, like these guys who were seeing come through in this team. Who's well for him? He's one of the. I I can't even ex- like explain to you how good that kid is. Is it's actually frightening. But outside of him, just your Perisic, Kovacic, Brozovic, all these guys are just like obviously they're veterans. They're, I don't know if you could call. It, yeah, yeah, they they are world class players. They they are for the most part and have been for ten years. But j- they just don't seem to like. They just there's just so much fight in them, and I'm just so so impressed with it. Like I don't love watching them play it necessarily, but the way that they get results is just fascinating. And um, yeah, they got well goalkeeper side as well has been <laughs> phenomenal. livakovic has been insane for them. Um, so what an asset that is if you've got a, an incredible goalkeeper behind. The the ten players that that are out there, like you know, it helps. Put it that way, <laughs> it helps yeah. a lot when he's saving. I think he conceded like one or two penalties or something stupid, wasn't it? Like, it's it's ridiculous, really. And maybe you need a bit of luck. I think in that last game, one Croatia going out at some point. Is that? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. Brazil scores first and then they uh, they equalize.
2: That's it. So like, that's that was it. I think it was the Lukaku. I seen the tweet. It was like if Lukaku would have scored one of his four chances. um then Croatia would have been out, and the and the, the tournaments a completely different um, different thing. But yeah, no, I I, I do enjoy watching Croatia in parts. There's nobody outside of Modric and Guardiola that I like. I love watching, mm-hmm. um, but as a team, yeah, what 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 they can do as an eleven, uh, obviously bench players as well, is is really really impressive. I, I'm I'm gutted to Brazil are out because I like there's a romantic there's a romantic thing around Brazil and and World Cups. Of course, I have a few Brazilian friends actually in in my team when I when I played in American to see them like that they're just gutted, you know, because they, they really thought that this was probably going to be their year. Um but yeah, no no Croatia man like you you, you can all you you have to respect you know going out there and, and, and beating Brazil like they did, especially when, when Brazil scored like so late as well. It's yeah fascinating.
0: How good's Guardian go, <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's it's hard to put into words because like he's 20 years old Crazy. And he's built, he's built like a Viking. And technically, he is and he's left footed as well, which makes things even sweeter because we all know left-footed players are a, a lot a lot rarer than than right-sided players, and they just look better. I wish I was left-footed. <laughs> um, no, mate, honestly, the guy's just like he's playing, he's play, he's playing as if he's like a 30-year-old veteran that's mm-hmm. played at like PSG for five years, played at I don't know, Real for five. The the kids show in far too much. Um, like maturity and stuff for a 20-year-old is is it's out it's out of this world. I i was lucky enough to watch him play with um another so rare uh content creator, content creator, actually, Quinny in the Champions League against Celtic, um at Parkhead. And I wasn't like as impressed with him in that game. I maybe I wasn't like looking out for him as much. Um, but in this World Cup, oh my god, has he stepped up to the plate? Jesus Christ, 20 years old. And leading that line at the back, I know Lovren's at, at the back there with, with a lot of experience as well, but Guardiola is the one that's um, just really sort of stepped forward and like everyone's talking about him. Like my casual friends who watch football, now they know about Guardiola. We know about Guardiola because of Sore and we're we're nerds. We're football nerds, right? We're going to know about him a long time ago, of course. But no, that my friends are like texting me like, Harry, like who's this Guardiola kid? I'm like bro like he's been around for two years man i i I don't know what i can say like he's been doing this for a little while it's just he's on the world stage now and and everyone can get to see it but i I understand that i'm not sort of looking down upon them because of that but mate yeah what what a what a talent and if he doesn't get if he doesn't go to real madrid or chelsea i know because that that's been rumored in the next sort of well in maybe in this next transfer window i'd be very very shocked very sure. Yeah,
0: there will be a bit of money go, going into to Leipzig again. Even Ljivakovic, you know, the guy who's spent all his career in, in Croatia. Um, you wouldn't be surprised if you see him no. signing somewhere in, a, in either of those uh, transfer window. J- just because I know that you, you have a keen eye for um, young players as well. You know, of course, Jude Bellingham has had a, another um, throw, throwing party in, in that World Cup. Uh, what are some of the youngsters that have impressed you during during that walk-up? Is there one or two names that out there that are that are worth mentioning?
2: Yeah, I mean, I like how you start with Jude. I will sort of touch upon him because like we've mentioned, I obviously was able to watch that England Wales game. Jude Bellingham, honestly, now in that game, was like one of the best players I've ever seen live in just terms of like what he can offer as a midfielder. I've I've again another we said Modric to the Rolls Royce, but but Bellingham has got He's, he's actually got everything. Like it's not even I can't think of one part of his game right now that he's lacking in. He's the most for a 19, 20 year old 19, um, yeah. midfielder, 19 years old midfielder, he is the most complete player I've seen in a long, long time. Um can score goals, can assist goals, can defend, can run box to box, can spray passes if he wants to, can break a play. I've I've just never seen I've never seen anything like it, really. Like, you know, I'm I'm only quite young myself, so it's hard for me to like be like, oh well, I remember Modric when he was 19. Like, I mm-hmm. I can't do that, unfortunately. So, you know, this is my generation of of like seeing these like wonder kids break through, and wow, just just like, just what a play and and a character as well. Like, that's one big thing in football. People don't realize half of it, like half of football is what you do on the ball. Half is what you do off the ball, and and. That kid offers so much, like both what, like him in both sides of his game, and even like vocally, like he's actually a leader. Like he could be the, he could be England captain right now if he, if like if he wanted to, if that makes sense. If he really put himself out there and said, lads, because I'm just thinking back to when I was a bit younger and you had like older players in the dressing room and stuff. He he seems like at 19, he is that older player, and it's just frightening. The world honestly is his oyster. He can literally do whatever he likes on the football field. But one less. Um, no name, I guess, to like, I guess, most communities in terms of football is um, this uh, is it ona onahi, the M- Morocco midfielder?
0: Unai, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So he came on my radar a little bit, um, or, or a lot, I guess, over this um, over this tournament, playing for Angers, who are bottom of the, the French league. Angers right? Ange. Angers, sorry, my French <laughs> is uh,
0: people who listen to Kazelin would have heard of onahi before, <laughs> yeah, definitely, he's yeah, yeah. a talent.
2: Bro, yeah, what a player. Really, <laughs> really impressed with what he's been doing for that Morocco team. Like the fact that, you know, they sit in a lot, they don't really um, have too much possession, but when they do, it's a counter-attack, it's fast. And he's been a big part of anything they do going forward. And and they've needed that because that's where they've got their, their counter-attack goals and their, their sort of one and and what have you. And yeah, he's been really impressive. I'd be shocked if he doesn't get a lot of interest in him because he looks athletically capable. He looks great on the ball don't really see what what else you really want from from a number eight in terms of what he's offering excuse me i haven't really watched him for angers so i can't really speak upon like how he does domestically but yeah what a what a way to you know showcase your talent i mean 22 years old
0: he doesn't he's he's good with angers but he's nowhere (laughs) as performing as he's been at the world cup and there's a bit of i'm not saying that 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 would have happened but he's I don't know if he was in the starting lineup at first. I mean, Harit okay. gets injured just before the World True. Cup um, yep. for, for Marseille, and, and Harit was going to be on the starting lineup for sure. So they yep. had to maybe switch around a couple of things, and then he finds himself playing. So it's a good like it's a good story from it. And I think in both cases, um, like kudos to the coach for trusting yeah. a player that age in, in, that, in, in that World Cup. I mean, sure, Morocco, you could think that the talent pool is a bit sl- uh, smaller but mm-hmm. Gareth Southgate seeing you know Jude Bellingham, go ahead, you, you get this. Uh, it's okay if you're not 20 yet. You you can you can show him how good you are. Uh, I was yeah. surprised to see him starting every single game in France. People compared and were like, oh, they got Bellingham, but we have Kamavinga. Yeah, Kamavinga has done it at Rennes, and it's great mm-hmm. in Liga. It's another yeah, yeah. story. It's another uh, you know, it's another piece to be able to do it at the World Cup against against teams that are that, are that good. So I think uh, yeah, Bellingham is telling everybody that he's the. Between him and Mbappe and Holland, there's going to be that that nice little uh, generation coming up of people fighting for the for the Ballon d'Or. Uh, the the two semifinals: Argentina, Croatia, and France, Morocco are depending on when this body is released in in a few hours and and in a day. What what are your predictions for those two, Harry? Oh, it's it's tough because part of me I thinks get, like I keep I'm, those videos and I get them back out after the games.
2: Yeah, no, I was just thinking like how crazy would it be if we had the same final as as four years ago? Like, that's... We're 50... Like, we're very close to that happening, you know? There's a very good possibility that that happens. I mean, you know, obviously, Croatia have to get past uh, Argentina and I wouldn't be very happy because of the messy factor like we mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. So... uh, the problem is, I wouldn't be surprised if Croatia beat Argentina. They probably don't beat them in ninety minutes. I, I think they'd probably have to take them to extra time and maybe penalties. I think they they need to nullify Messi. Of course, we like you said, they have brought other um, sort of talented players in that in that Argentina team as well to worry about because you know the 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 focus can't always be on Messi. They they need to have other players around him that can do things in in moments, um, but croatia if, if anyone's gonna like smash another un- uh smash another big team it's gonna be croatia and like mm-hmm. i wouldn't like that from a, a, a romantic football inside of things I, I really want Messi to uh, yeah win it of course um so uh, yeah I, if i if begun to my head i'm gonna say argentina are gonna go through in that one semi and then for the france morocco game jesus the, the what this this one for me right so like this is this would be my statement. If Morocco can somehow score first, I think, I think they might win that game. But if they don't score first, I don't see anything other than like a France, not comfortable victory, but a 2-1, a 2-0. I, I just think they have, it's, I know we have Hakimi and Mbappe dynamic and stuff and they know each other very well and stuff and yeah, if anyone can deal with Mbappe, it's probably Hakimi because of how fast he is and, mm. and how agile he is. So in a way, I'm like, oh well, Morocco have an even better chance than like an England do because you know we saw um yeah, Mbappe. Yeah, I mean he didn't do that much, I guess, against England, but for the most part, yeah, Hakimi's probably the best matchup for an Mbappe and yeah but don't worry you have Dembele on one side Griezmann there's so much quality it doesn't really matter what Hakimi and Mbappe if they cancel each other out you've still got another 10 you know 10 players on that field that can that can do a lot of damage if France score first i don't see how they don't qualify but if Morocco score first like you just we just know how resolute that team is and and how how like hungry they would be to sort of defend for their lives like the way they've been playing for their country is like i can't it's so hard to describe like the the willingness to put their body on the line from a defensive side of things is, and they, they're running their socks off. They're like Amrabat is just like, it's like there's 10 of them out there. Like it's frightening how it's like, I mean, I I don't want to put accusations out there, but (laughs)
1: they,
2: they, they're running a lot. (laughs) I can just tell you that for free. So (laughs) make of that what you will, but nah, I'd love, I'd love to see France get to the final. Don't make me wrong. Um, I'd like to see a France Argentina final because Mm. of the quality of both teams. Um, but yeah, it just wouldn't surprise me if one of those Morocco or Croatia sneaks in because we've seen it all, all throughout the tournament, the bigger teams, the the teams that should dominate games have the better players. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win a game of football. It's, It's a, that's why it's a, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing game because there's just so many things that go into it outside of who has the better player. Do you get what I'm saying? Like that doesn't come into the question as much as, like people who don't support, you know, follow football would would think. So yeah, for me, yeah, gun to my head, it it, it is an Argentina France final, but you just never know with these games.
0: Yeah, that's right. I look like the two favorites, but but you never know. We had we had two World Cup final um, in a row being the same was uh, eighty six and ninety with uh, West West Germany and Argentina facing each other uh, okay. twice, and and the first one was obviously Maradona's win, and the second one was for West Germany. So maybe it'd be Maybe it'd be the same the same case, but I think although that's the only time it ever happened, uh, we had teams going to finals five, three, four times in a row. It was either Argentina or the Netherlands, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it'll be interesting to see a, a rematch. But I think everyone sort of think it's going to be France, Argentina, uh, yeah. or I for one hope that's what it is. But uh, <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see how, how it goes. Uh, Harry, I mean, thank you so much for for the time and for your insights and for your great uh, analysis uh, of the game and and telling us about your experience. Uh in Qatar, where where can we see you know I, I shared a couple of times, but where can you see your blogs? Um, where do we find you on Twitter, Instagram? Te- tell us all.
2: Yeah, no problem. Um, well, first of all, thank you, thank you for asking me on. I uh, I've, um, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to to sit down and talk to you. But yeah, no, my, my YouTube channel is just called Harry Trades, so T-R-A-D-E-S. Um for that second word. But yeah, on on Twitter you can follow me if you would like to. Uh at harry trades and then yt which stands for youtube uh, not too complicated there but yeah i i don't have i don't really have like an instagram to be honest so yeah nothing nothing much over there but yeah it's basically twitter and, and youtube for me right now um yeah no jeremy th- thank you so much for, for having me
0: thank you go, go and follow harry a lot of great content and a lot of great knowledge there thanks for for being with us harry no problem